Good morning. How are we? We good? Good to see you all this morning. Thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for joining us online. Yeah, as Sarah said, it's kind of, maybe, maybe you don't work like this, but if you're a teacher, you've got no choice to work like this. September is teacher time. It's, a, it's, it's term time. If you're a student, it's term time. Got any students in here this morning getting ready for going back to school? I've lost all of you. I'm one, two, yeah, smile. We've got smile, great smile, Sheridan. Some of you may be gone back to school this week if you're a student, if you're at university. Maybe you're thinking of going back to school soon. And I've called this message Back to School. So I've lost three quarters of you because none of you go to school. I can see that. But the reality of life is this we're all at school, we're all learning. Whether you want to believe that or not, when you left your institutionalized school at 16 or if you got kicked out at 14, whatever happened to you, you didn't stop learning when you left school. Actually, the reality of life is you go to work or you get married or relationship, you realize there's hard work to be done. Would you agree? So none of us actually stop learning or we shouldn't stop learning. We're all learning. Um... I left school, I was trying to work it out the other day, my maths aren't as good as they used to be. I left school 30, trying to think now, let me get this right. I left school 30 years ago, and I've probably learnt more since I've left school than I did at school. Anybody else? I love these people on Facebook, and they they put being in the lessons of life, in other words, they hated school. You see those people? Yeah, I've learned the lessons of life, or I'm learning from life. And as I said, the reality of life is we're all learning. Every day we've got a lesson to learn, have we not? We haven't made it. We've not, we've not reached the end. We've not, we've not passed all the tests or done all the coursework. There's still lots to be learned. And um, I want to read a scripture this morning. It's from 2 Peter 1 verses 1 to 8. And it's Peter at the end of his life. He's writing a second letter. He's wrote his first letter to the church that's been harshly persecuted and he's encouraged them previously. And at the end of his life, he's got this real thing on his heart, his real concern, because the church, one teacher when I was going into reception and everybody feared her. You said her name, your body shook. You know, there's Voldemort, you can't say his name. But this woman, I'm not even going to say her name this morning. Because she still scares me. Bad experience of a teacher. And the worst thing is, I had a reception, and guess who I had in year two? I'm not even going to mention her name, I had her again in year two. We all have bad teachers, don't we? Bad experiences of life. And Peter's writing this letter because there are some false teachers that are teaching them wrong things. They're teaching them that they don't have to do or live a certain way. You can just do whatever you want. You can sleep with other people within the church even though you're married. And there's really bad teachers that are just saying, just do what you want. The grace of God covers it. You can go out there and be whatever. And Peter's writing this letter because they've stopped being schooled. They've stopped learning the right lessons. So Peter's really, at the end of his life, concerned for the church that it won't be productive. It won't be effective or useful. It will just fall back and do nothing. So he's basically teaching them, it's back to school, church. So that's my letter I'm going to read this morning. So 2 Peter 1, verse 8, it says, This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith. Just think about that for a minute. I read that. Wow. 
Peter's writing to all these people who share the same precious faith. Anybody got faith this morning? I want to say to you, it's precious. Let's not get familiar with your faith. Let's, not, let's just think, oh, I've got faith in Jesus. My sins are forgiven. No, it's precious. Why is it precious? Because it costs God's son. It cost, it, it, it was not cost, it was not, it was not just, you know, 50 pence or 20 pence it cost him. It cost him everything. Peter's writing and saying, share the same precious faith we have. And then he extends on it. He says, this faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ and God our Savior. The very, very reason you can enter into this faith of knowing God and eternity shared for us. What Jesus did for us, it's precious. It cost a lot. Let's not get familiar with it, church. This is a lesson. We need to keep reminding ourselves. We can't get beyond the basics. We don't get familiar with the basics. You know, I was listening to somebody recently, uh, Max Whitlock. Does anybody know Max Whitlock? If you don't, if you've watched the Olympics, he's been in the Olympics. He was actually on TV last night trying to play football. That's another lesson. But here's the deal. He was, he, he's competing in the, in the last few Olympics and he's won gold medal on the pommel horse. I was going to demonstrate it this morning, but I thought I better not. I can't, you've got to be able to lift your legs up at 90 degrees and keep them there and swing them around a, a so-called horse thing. Have you seen it? The pommel horse. You swing your legs around, you do amazing things. He's done it for the last two years and got gold medal. And they asked him on an interview when he got back, they said, you know, when, when, you, go, when, you, when, you, when you get on that pommel horse, when, you, when you're doing your gold medal you know, uh, performance, he says, are you nervous and, 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 and are, you, are you worried about it? He says, well, to be honest, he says, I just do the same thing that I always do. And he said, what do you do? He said, well, on a daily basis, what I do is learn the basics. He said, I learn the basic moves and I just repeat them over and over and over and over and over again. He said, I do it consistently over and over and over again. He says, I'm not doing anything special. He says, just the basic moves I do over and over and over again. He says, and then when I get to the gold medal performance, what am I doing? I'm just doing the basics over and over and over again. He said, so why do I tell you that? Because we don't get beyond the basics. And if we're getting bored of the basics, we need to go back to the basics and go back to Jesus, which is our faith in Jesus. And the love that he has towards you this morning. And how much it cost him. Let's not move beyond the basics. And I'm going to teach you some basics in a minute what we need to do. Let's not get familiar and think, oh, I've heard this before. I've heard about the grace of God. I've heard about these teachings before. Let's not get familiar with them because of the basics. And if you repeat the basics consistently on a daily basis, you'll see what happens. It says this, may God give you more and more grace and peace. Who wants more grace? Who wants more peace? So God's saying here, Peter's writing and saying, God wants to give you more grace. And he wants to give you more peace. He wants to bring increase into your life. But there are some basics you need to do. He says this, may he give you more and more grace and peace as you grow. Oh, grow in what? The knowledge of God in Jesus our Lord. So how do we grow in grace and peace? By understanding God more and more. By understanding his love for us more and more. By discovering his peace for us that goes beyond anything we understand. The Bible says peace beyond understanding. We don't understand it. But there's a peace that I experience. I'm suffering and going to have a peace through the storm. This is Jesus. More and more grace and peace available. How? As we grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this. So remember the context. He's speaking to people who don't think they can live a godly life. 
They, they, they would have had many excuses. Oh, I've lived like this, or I'm, you know, this negative experience, this bad teacher I had. I can't even mention anymore because she's damaged me so much. This is why I can't live this way anymore. But Peter's writing and saying, no, no, no. You can grow. You can get there. You can learn more about the grace of God and the peace of God. You can increase more, he's saying. Let's, let's just tag the excuses for a minute and pin them on the wall over there. And he comes with this. Are you ready? By his divine power... God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. I can't, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Actually, the truth is, no, you can't. I can't be godly. I can't be like God. It's impossible for me to be like God in my own strength. But with God, it's possible. Are you hearing this? So Peter's writing to these people who are living however they want and giving excuses. And Peter's writing at the end of his life, it's on his heart. No, no, no. I want the church to be productive and effective. I want you to be a useful person in this life. I want you to be light in the darkness, not just walking in the darkness and being corrupted by it. I want you to break free of the corruption that has a grip on you and break the power of the darkness off your life so you can be light in the world. And he's saying, I can't do it, Paul. By his divine power, not by your power, by his power. Now, how powerful is that? Pretty powerful. I mean, find me an excuse that will be able to defeat the power of God. It's all gone quiet. Tell me something that will stop you living a godly life. That's greater than the power of God. Is there anybody who's got anything that's more powerful than God? No, it's not. There's nothing in this world that's more powerful than God. We know that because Jesus defeated death itself on the cross. He's the most powerful, wonderful God. There's nothing as powerful as him. He created the universe. He spoke it into existence through Jesus. And Jesus himself entered this world, defeated death and overcame it, rose again, and gives us the hope that we have in this world. Amen? So we know there's a God because we read about him. And not only do we read about him, we can also know him. And as we grow in the knowledge of this all-powerful God, we'll realize that we have the power to overcome, just like he overcame. Are you still with me this morning? So my first point is this. You have everything you need. Back to school. Who remembers going back to school? Some of you might not even remember it. Some of you might be going to school now. And you had to have all the equipment to go to school. You need the shoes. You need the trousers, certain style. When I was at school... Fashion changed. Does it still change? We had these trousers called Farah Jean, Farah trousers. And it had to have an F on there. If you didn't have the F on there, you weren't cool. Right? You went to school and you didn't fit in because you didn't have the F on there. Or your tie had to be thin. And if it was thick, they were uncool. Now it's the other way around. You don't have a thin one, it's uncool. Do you know what? Fashion changes, doesn't it? Or you had to have all the right equipment, pencil case and all that. You'd go to school and you'd have a see-through pencil case. Wow. Or you'd have the protractor and you'd get it all out on your table and put it there, protract it, and if you were cool, you'd spike someone with it. I didn't do that. You know, your compass and everything, protractors, whatever it was that spiked people. You had all the wrong way, but you went to school. Some of you probably didn't have the equipment. Some of you probably went to school and went, you know what, my family couldn't really afford the equipment. So I went to school feeling I didn't really fit in. Didn't really have the 
smart shoes and the smart trousers and everything that everybody else had. So I felt a little bit not fitting in. Some of you might have been cooling yourself and just gone anyway if you didn't fit in. It didn't matter. But you'd go to school with all the right equipment. I remember having a certain pencil case. Who remembers these? You might still have them nowadays. The pencil case with the secret compartment. Can you remember them? Anybody else have one of them? You had a pencil case, and at the side, you pressed the button. Nobody knew about it. And it popped open, and there's this little secret compartment, and you could fit basically nothing in it. It was pointless, but you had a secret compartment that nobody else knew about, apart from the other five kids who had the same pencil case. And you all had this secret compartment, and you felt special. Anybody else have one of them? Is it just me? Can I just say this? Don't buy me one for Christmas. People do this. I'll say things on the stage, and it'll turn up on me CT here. A little pencil case with a secret compartment. It's all right. I've still got my old one from 1996. It's framed on my wall. But the point is this. We go to school, we need all the right equipment, don't we? And if we've got all the right equipment, we feel safe and secure. I've got it all on my table. I've got everything I need for university, and it's all in place. God doesn't send you to school ill-equipped. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. You have everything you need today, tomorrow, and for the rest of eternity to be like Christ. Everything. Then you think, oh, I can't live like that. I'm not doing a very good job. I know you're not doing a very good job. That's why you need Jesus. Because it's not by our power, it's by his power. And as we submit to Jesus and receive Jesus through faith in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit and the power of God and we learn to obey him and follow him, what happens is more grace, more peace. More grace, more peace. If you do not submit to Jesus and you do not surrender your life and you do not obey, then you just go your own way. But God says, I want to equip you. I want to give you the pencil case with the secret compartments and many other things as well. He's still with me. God has given you everything you need. I remember going to school, primary school, first, first day or week at school, and you went into the cloakrooms, and you were told which was your peg, but you couldn't read and write at that time, so they put a little picture at symbol. Anybody remember that? It was always a balloon or a football, or an umbrella, yeah? And sometimes you're allowed to colour it in and put it in yourself and it's slotted in this little metal cast iron slot and you put it in there on the peg. And then you were taught, when you go into the classroom, you hang your coat on this peg. Can anybody remember that? Yeah, I want to baggage into the classroom, hang it on the peg. Don't take it in, don't allow the baggage of life to say that you can't do this. Don't allow your past or your hurt or your pain or your disappointment or your thoughts of inadequacy because you don't have it all together. God says, you come into my kingdom, I equip you and give you everything. Put your coat on the coat peg and leave it there. Yeah, but I I can't read and write and I don't understand it all. It doesn't matter. Just put it on the cross. That's all you need to know. Jesus died for it. Put it on the cross. Thoughts of inadequacy. It's time to surrender them over and say, do you know what, Jesus? I come to you daily and surrender these thoughts that are not of you. And I'm going to believe that you've given me everything I need to live a godly life. This is the word of God. Peter's writing to the church because they're living however they want. And Peter's saying, no, no, no. 
God's given you everything. Everything you need by his divine power, it's made available. That doesn't mean that you can do it alone. You need him. You need to learn, we need to learn to walk with him, trust in him, abide in him. And by his Holy Spirit, from the inside out, he will empower you. More grace and more peace as you obey Jesus. You still with me? So this, when you start school, you've been there a while, you get to the point in high school where you have to choose your options. Who remembers choosing options? Yeah? And you didn't know what to choose because you didn't know what you want to do with your life. Some people just know what they want to do, so they know the options. For me, I was like, I want to do something, but I don't know what to do, so what options do we choose? And you had to do some things. So you had to do math, you had to do English, you had to do science, you had to do these fundamentals. But there were some things you didn't know what to do. So you just think, what do I like? I'll do that. And oh, I didn't like it. And you think, oh, my life's over because I've chosen the wrong thing. My world has ended because I've chosen the wrong options. The path of life now is completely falling apart because I chose the wrong options. I want to say this to you. There's still time to change and choose something different. Just because you made mistakes back then doesn't mean you can't choose something else. Life's not over. You're still breathing. You're still alive. Made mistakes. Chose the wrong option. That's okay. Let's choose a different option then. Let's not you know, wallow in the mistakes and the, I've wasted my life. I wish I'd have done this. Well, there's still time. Still opportunity now to forgive yourself and get over it and say, come on, do you know what? There's a different option I can choose today. I'm going to choose life. So choose your options. Peter goes on to share this in 2 Peter 1, 5 to 7. He says, in view of all this, in view of all what? The amazing promise of divine, divine provision and, and the promises of God that's available for you to do this. Are you ready? In view of all of this that Jesus has done and is available for you, he says this. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. He said, I didn't have to do anything. Jesus said, no, no, no. If you want to be productive and effective and grow in the grace and the, in the peace of God, then you're going to have to make an effort. You're going to have to do something. Oh, I haven't got to do anything. No, no, you're going to have to do something. There needs to be some productivity. There's got to be some, there's something dynamic that needs to be working in your life in order for you to grow in the grace of God and the peace of God. It's not just going to happen. If you want it, it's available. But if you want it, you're going to have to grow. It's that simple. So then he says this, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith. So you're not changing your faith. You're not, you're, not, you're not deciding what the faith is. The faith is the faith in Jesus. Jesus doesn't change. But to your faith in Jesus that is available to you, he says this, supplement it with a generous provision of moral excellence. What does this mean? Goodness. So from now, I'm not going to do what's not good. And now I'm going to do what's good goodness I've got opportunity tomorrow to do good wow I've got opportunity tomorrow when others aren't doing good and I'm tempted not to do good in student life school life no I'm going to choose good they might push me out the group but guess what I'm going to choose good why because I'm following Jesus and I want to grow in the grace of God and the peace of God But if I don't choose goodness, what am I going to get? I'm not going to get more grace and I'm not going to get peace because I'm not walking in goodness. From the inside, my own integrity, my own own belief system inside is being corrupted because I'm not choosing goodness. I'm choosing to do what's wrong. So choose goodness, moral excellence. And to moral excellence, add knowledge. Notice how they don't add knowledge first on this occasion. They add goodness. 
You want a goodness to be cultivated in your heart. We need a good heart, a heart that wants to do good, not just adding knowledge. Well, I know about Jesus. Yeah, you may know about Jesus, but is your, is your uh, knowledge improve, um, producing fruitfulness of goodness in your life? Because knowledge in itself won't produce anything. You need a good heart that needs to be cultivated. How is the heart cultivated? Let's go back to Jesus. The heart is cultivated when you first receive the goodness of God. You don't say, I'm going to be a good person now to make myself right. No, no, no. Faith in Jesus makes you right. You receive the goodness of God and you receive the righteousness of God and you receive God's godliness into your life. Out of the abundance of provision is divine nature that's been given to you. You now begin to walk. Amen? So to moral excellence, add knowledge. With knowledge, self-control. Self-control is the one we all want to grow in, but nobody wants to go through it. Patient endurance. (laughs) Paul, I've heard all this before. I don't want you to tell me again. Yes, I know, but remember Max Max Whitlock? He said, if you don't do the basics, then when you get to the opportunity to do the the gold medal performance and the reward, you're not going to do it because you didn't do the basics. I don't want to persevere, Paul. I don't want to be patient with people. They do me head in. I know they do my head in too. But, but what is God calling you to? He's calling you to a productive and effective life, a useful life. The aim of God is to move you from a selfish life to the school of actually loving people. So, so it starts with faith. I believe in Jesus and Jesus loved me on the cross. And where does it culminate? It culminates through all of this process of character building it, to loving one another and ultimately loving everyone. Everyone? Yet everyone. The person that you don't like, that's the everyone. That's why Jesus died for the ones who put him on the cross, not just the ones who liked him. Everyone who hated him, Jesus died for them. You still my friend this morning? <laughs> So self-control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness, with godliness, brotherly affection or mutual affection. Our genuine love for one another, church. He's writing to the church and then eventually he says love for everyone. So we have these qualities here. What is this? This is basically, this is basically your assessment your end of term, end of term coursework, when you get to the end, you say, did I produce something? Or you get to the end and gone, I just quit because I didn't like that teacher. I didn't like that lesson, so I skived it. Yeah? I didn't like the brotherly affection because I don't like all my brothers and sisters. I just skipped that one. I don't like a patient endurance, so I'll avoid that lesson. And uh, self-control, I'm all right with that as long as I get what I want. Yeah? What is this? This is the reality of your faith. This is the checklist of the reality of what you're doing and what you're producing. This is the end of term test. This is the end of term coursework which gets put in and gone, there you go, that's what I produced this this year. And God goes, I know, now there's more grace for you and more peace for you, more abundance for you as you grow in these things. These are lessons that are optional. They're all optional. You can choose self-control. You can choose to be patient. You can choose to love brothers. You can choose to love everyone. Or you can choose not to opt in on these. But if you choose to opt in on these, what happens is God increases his provision more and more for you. You think, oh, I can't do that because I'm going to lose so much. No, no, no. The more you let go, the more you'll gain. God's not a God who's not going to provide for you. He promises to provide for you. I'm going to finish with a guy 
who encounters Jesus and we see him that we see him adding these things instant to, instantly to his life. It's from Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. It's Jesus meets a man called Zacchaeus. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. In other words, you know, tax collectors, as we know, if you know, they weren't liked people. They were despised by Jews. A chief tax collector would have so much more responsibility. So he's got a lot more to lose if he changes his life. And he was wealthy. It says he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, excuses, could have had an excuse, he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot... I love this, the spot. It makes me think in life, am I at the spot? Have I made a decision to follow Jesus? And Jesus is just waiting for me to respond like Zacchaeus. The faith I've been given and say, do you know what, Jesus? I want to get to know you. I'm coming to you and Jesus is seeing if it's a genuine, real heart to say, actually, I can see you being honest and real. You're at the spot. He says, Jesus was at the spot and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. You know, I can't reiterate this enough, how, and understanding the culture of what is happening here. This man was despised. He was corrupt. He was a robber. And if Jesus associated with him, Jesus would be known as unclean and a sinner in that culture. But Jesus doesn't see that. Jesus sees what Zacchaeus can become. It says, but Zacchaeus, sorry, he came down once and welcomed him. It says, all the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Luke, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. What is happening here? This man has used his faith And he's discovered Jesus Christ. He's discovered the divine power. The one who has abundance available for him. And he's a wealthy man. You know, he's he's a corrupt man. He's a wealthy man. And what's his response? Moral goodness. A generous provision of moral goodness is beginning to happen because he's encountered Jesus Christ. And it says, I will give half of what I've got to the poor. Does that challenge you? So like, imagine you going home and saying, say you're married or you're living on your own, whatever. You go home and say, right, I've just encountered Jesus and every half of what I've got has got to go to the poor. So that means I'm going to have to sell the house, downsize. Um, the holidays next year are going to go. Um, who'd be up for that? You've all gone quiet. I'm not, I don't believe Jesus asks us in, in any way. He might ask you, but I don't believe Jesus is asking us to give away um, so, that we, so that we can't live a normal life. It does challenge me, but this is the point here. When Zacchaeus encounters Jesus, he understands the divine power. He understands the forgiveness of God. He understands the grace of God. And as he receives the grace of God into his life, the peace that comes with that is greater than anything he's ever experienced. In other words, is corruption... This man stole from people. Have you ever stolen anything? I have. I've stole. Do you get peace when you steal things? 
No, no peace with stealing. You might think you've got away with it, but there's no peace. Have you ever hurt anybody? Is there peace? Have you ever fallen out with anyone? Is there peace? There's no peace. But what's happening is here, he encounters Jesus, the source of all life. And out of the abundance of God's provision now, we see moral excellence. We see not only a love for those who he loves, we see a love for his enemies. He says, I'll give four times back my enemies, those who have hurt. What is happening here? It's the abundance of God's grace. It's the abundance of God's grace when we encounter Jesus Christ. What I like about Zacchaeus here is this. It says he stood up. He stood up and he said something. He said, I, here and now, I give half my possessions. In other words, what he's doing is this. He's saying, today I'm making a promise. Today, I've, I'm in a new school of learning. And today, I'm going to do what Jesus would do. I'm going to give back because that's the God I've discovered. When I was corrupt, he forgave me and gave me peace. When I was wrong, he made me right through his grace. And because of that now, I'm going to be right with others. Because of that now, the abundance of his provision in my life and what he's done for me, I'm going to give that back. I'll give half back. I'll give four times that. Why? Because the abundance of provision that's come through Jesus Christ. When we meet Jesus, there's not a limitation in his grace towards us. There's an abundance of grace. I've made mistakes. I've robbed. Well, Jesus wants to forgive you today. He wants to make you right with God today through faith in Jesus. And you may have to put some things right in your life. Instantly, next year, whatever. And as you do that, what's going to happen is there'll be peace. That doesn't mean everybody will be right with you. But as long as you're right with them, there's peace from the inside out. Making sense. So back to school. Sorry if you don't want to go back to school. I think we're all in school. Would you agree? Like I said earlier, sometimes we make right choices. Sometimes we make wrong choices. But today, you can start again and choose a different option. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Zacchaeus on this day, he was in Jesus. He'd met with a God who loved him and accepted him when others rejected him and hated him. Jesus loved him. And we've all got a past. We've all got a history. But today and for the future, you can choose Jesus. Zacchaeus, I believe, did this. He stood up and made a promise and said, this is what I'm going to do. This is my commitment to you, Jesus. I'm going to now go and do this to others. Just as you've done to me, Jesus, I'm going to now do it to others. This is the reality of the faith of Zacchaeus that actually produced something of goodness. I'm going to ask you to do this. If you're making a commitment to Jesus, this term, maybe you want to grow in self-control. Maybe you want to grow in patience and endurance. Be careful what you choose. Maybe you just want to grow in the knowledge of God and learn about the love of God this year because you don't really know it. And you want to know that. This is what I want you to do. Like Zacchaeus, stand up. Say, today, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to learn about the grace and I want to learn about the peace. And as you stand and make that decision in your heart, this is what I believe. I believe, and as you follow it through, I believe Jesus will answer you and provide for you as you step out. So I'm going to ask the band come up.
You know, where there was corruption for Zacchaeus, there was forgiveness from Jesus. Where there was unbelief or doubt, there's a greater love that's available in Jesus. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, Jesus is greater. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is more powerful. Whatever you're facing this week, whatever you're facing right now, Jesus wants to remind you that he's with you, he's for you, he's not against you, and you can overcome this in him. So if you're ready to stand, make a commitment, make a choice, choose your option. Maybe it's just when I want to know you, Jesus, more this year. Maybe it's I want to grow in self-control because I keep making the mistakes and when I'm tempted, I mess up. Well, Jesus can help you and empower you to not make those mistakes. We're going to worship this with this song now. We're going to worship Jesus. This song's called Waymaker. When Zacchaeus saw no way out from his corruption, Jesus makes a way. When we don't see a way out of our problems, we think, how is this going? How am I going to overcome? Jesus makes a way. When you think it's impossible, Jesus makes a way. And I want to encourage you this morning, make your choice in this new season, new school of learning. Say, I want to learn more about you, Jesus. When we worship, I want you to stand. You don't have to tell me what it is. You don't have to. You can tell someone next to you or just tell Jesus, Jesus, this is what I want to learn this year. I want to know more of your grace. I want to know more of your love so that I can overcome, be fruitful and effective in order to glorify you. Come on, let's stand. Let's worship. Jesus, we come to you this morning. Just like Zacchaeus, he was searching because he had no peace, I believe. I pray this morning as people come to you, Holy Spirit, people would receive you this morning and receive your peace. Father, those who don't know you this morning, like Zacchaeus, maybe today's their day. They come into the spot and Jesus recognizes that you're ready to receive Jesus. And if that's you, this is what I want you to do. By faith, put your hand up and say, in your heart, today, Jesus, I choose you. Today, I'm searching for you, Jesus. I've made mistakes. I've got it wrong. But I recognize, Jesus, there's another way with you. You're the God who makes a way. You're the God who not only promises, but keeps promises. So Jesus, we come to you this morning. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name.